Well, here's a question for you this afternoon. What do you get for the man or woman who has everything? But what do you get for the person who has everything? You might have thought about that recently, especially in light of the Christmas season. You might have thought, I really want to give a present to X. But what would I get him? What would I get her? She's got everything she needs. He's got everything he needs. Have you encountered that situation? Well, I've probably shared this with some of you before, but I grew up in small town, Louisiana. And my papa was a beloved physician in a small town, a general surgeon and a general practitioner, delivered hundreds of babies, cared for entire families, and he was much beloved in the community, sometimes made house calls. He was a beloved physician. And there's a memory that I have of a lot of Christmases whenever I was a child. I'll tell you what I remember. Ties. 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 Lots of ties. Neckties. You see, my dad was of that sort of old school of doctors who dressed like professionals. And so he usually wore a shirt and a tie and a white lab coat. And most often there was a stethoscope around his neck. And... In our small town community there, folks loved Dr. Cook. And they wanted to get him something for Christmas because he was their doctor and they loved him. But what to get him? Well, they knew that he wore ties. (laughs) So they got him ties. Lots and lots and lots of ties. And ties come... You can, I can tell what a tie is before I even open it. I've seen so many tie boxes. And the humor in this is that my dad has always been very persnickety, very, very particular about how he dresses, incredibly conservative. And so pro- probably most, many, probably most of those ties never made it around his neck. But as they say, it's the thought that counts, Right? Well, brothers and sisters, listen, that little phrase, it's the thought that counts. That may sound trite, but I think that it's one of those statements that is trite but true. It's the thought that counts. So remember, we were thinking about this question. What do you get the person that has everything? Listen, maybe, maybe that's the answer. Isn't the answer that since you can't give the person that has everything, something that he needs or something that she needs, you just give them something that shows you care. Some small token of love. You can't give them anything they need because they've already got everything they need. So you just give them something. You give a gift, not with the intention of meeting a need, just with the intention of demonstrating love. You give them something to affirm your love. You give a gift. 
just to show them, I love you. I care about you. I want to give you something. Something. Now, you may have figured out where I'm going with this. We've asked ourselves the question, what do you give the person who has everything? And listen, in reality, in reality, there's only one person who truly has everything. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. There is only one person in the universe who truly has everything. And that person is God. So think about that question. What do you give the person who has everything? And brothers and sisters, listen, think transcendently. Saints of God, you who love your God, you who treasure your Savior, what will you give unto your God? What shall you give unto your God who already owns everything? Well, I want to show you briefly from some Scripture this afternoon that there are indications of some things that God would like for us, that you and me, that God would like for us to give to Him. But before we move on, think about this point. Who of you fathers or mothers buys a present and then helps your little child write the card? Maybe it says, To Daddy, love from Asa and Aiden. Anything like that ever happen? I know that Nina and Leah gave Mother's Day cards <laughs> and presents to their mama before they could even read or write. Did you ever do that? Listen, who were those presents really from? Well, I submit to you that when we do that, we're teaching our children about the expression of love through gift giving, aren't we? That's what we're doing. When we do that, it's really an instructional act. You see, the gift was probably bought by Hannah for Chris. And then she says, Asa, come here. This is to daddy from you. But Hannah is the real giver. You see, it was she that acquired the gift. And I hope you see that ever and always, listen, if we give anything to God, we'll be like little Asa giving a present to Chris. Or like a little Nina or Leah giving a present to Jeannie. A gift like that is really only a return to the parent. It's something that the parent (laughs) acquired just coming back to them. Isn't it? Now listen, that doesn't make the gift any less special, does it? Does it? Parents, when your child gave you a present and you knew that your spouse bought it, (laughs) was it still the occasion of joy? Was it an occasion of the receipt of little boy or little girl love? And you said, thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. 
So listen, here's the point, and it's not that deep. There's a sense in which it could be said that we can never give anything to God. Because He is always the parent. And anything that we could give Him is His already. You see, there's a sense in which we could say that. And that's an academic and philosophical point. And there's some truth to it, but listen... To focus on that point alone would be to miss a great blessing. To focus on that point would be to miss the blessing of blessing God. You ever heard some of the, some of the little southern people say, bless God, bless God. It's kind of like praise God. Like I'd say bless you. The blessing to us of blessing God is through giving to Him. Now, we don't tell our children, now son, you don't have any money, so don't even bother trying to get me a present. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. I know you don't have any money, so don't even bother. No, no. That's not what we do. Rather, when our child brings us a present, we accept it with grace. We embrace the little child and we thank her for her little expression of love. Thank you, baby. Thank you for thinking of me. And so the point is made, right? The the point is made that there's a sense in which we can never give God anything because everything is really His already. But with that point being made... Let's move on and see that there are indications in Holy Scripture of some things that God desires for, from us. Maybe sort of a wish list. Please turn to the 50th division of the Psalms. There are a lot of places we could go, saints. A lot of places we could go in Holy Scripture, but since our time is limited, we'll just go to a couple this afternoon. In Psalm 50, look down to verse 7. And in the text, Jehovah is speaking, and he says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thine house, nor he goats out of thy foals. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving. And pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Now listen, in in that brief reading, did you hear God express what He would like from His children? There was something in verse 14 and there was something in verse 15. And what were they? 
Well, verse 14, thanksgiving and vow keeping. And then verse 15, call upon God in time of trouble. Brothers and sisters, listen. Do you love God? I know you do. Would you like to give Him a present? I know you would. Well, look here. He's made a wish list. There in verse 14, He's specified something that He would like from you. He wants your thanksgiving. You know, if you didn't believe me, I could multiply proof texts this afternoon. But I know that many, or most of you, are psalm readers. And the psalms are filled with exhortations to offer thanksgiving, to offer praise to Jehovah. So I echo the psalmist from Psalm 33.1 and say, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Comely is an old word that means it's really good. There's another thing there in verse 14 that God wants from His people, from His children. He says, pay thy vows unto the Most High. Now, we Christians are not in the habit of making vows. I mean, in Matthew chapter 5, our Lord said, I say unto thee, swear not at all. And the apostolic command to Christians is, Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other earth, but oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. James 5.12 So we Christians aren't in the habit of vow-making. I hope. Are we? But, There are many of us here who have made a vow before God. And a scriptural study of vow making is definitely not a waste of time, friend. You should probably undertake that. Many of us here have made a vow. What vow is that? Well, it's, it's our marriage vow. A vow to love, honor, cherish, obey. A vow of sexual fidelity. And you know what God wants from you? From me? From us? He wants us to pay our vows. He wants us to keep our vows. And listen, He wants that so much that it's on His wish list. There's a significant sense, friends, in which keeping our marriage vows is not just a gift to our beloved spouse. There's a sense in which our vow keeping is an offering, a gift to our God. I want your thanksgiving. I want you to keep your vows before me. That's what I want. Don't give me something I don't want. Here's my list. 
There's another thing God wants from us on verse 15. Look back at it. He says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. When we, Christians, when we are experiencing trouble, our God wants us to call upon Him. He delights to have His children call upon Him. He's put this on His wish list. And He's added a promise. And He says, Call upon Me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee. And thou shalt glorify Me. Think with me. You know that throughout human history, men have offered gifts to God. It goes all the way back. In the very first pages of Holy Scripture, we find Cain and Abel bringing gifts to God. We've already discussed how that's really just returning to God, something that He's given to men. But the fact remains, men give to God. They do. They try to. And you know all about the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant. And the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant is commended by apostolic teaching as a powerful illustration of redemption. And we know that the ultimate and consummate sacrifice was when our great high priest sacrificed himself for us. But you may not recall, listen, you may not recall that even in the Old Covenant there was a provision for the person who wanted to bring a gift to Jehovah. Now I know that most of you don't believe in free will. But we got to be careful, saints. Make sure our beliefs are scriptural because the Old Covenant definitely speaks often of free will. And they speak of free will in relation to offerings. The Scriptures do. In relation to gifts. The Old Covenant has a lot to say about free will offerings. You can get your concordance and, and, and study this if you want to, but essentially a free will offering was a voluntary sacrifice as opposed to a sacrifice in consequence of a vow or a sacrifice for the expiation of some sin or offense against God. The free will offering was a sacrifice freely offered because of goodwill toward God. Hence, a free will offering. The priest is there. Why are, why are you bringing that? This, I just want to Praise God. No, not, this is not a, for XBA. No, I just want, I just, please sacrifice it for me. Okay. Okay. And the free will offering was not requested. The free will offering was not required. Rather, it was a spontaneous expression of gratitude or love. In Leviticus 22:23, Jehovah regulated free will offerings with this commandment: A bullock or a lamb that hath anything superfluous or lacking in his parts, that mayest thou offer for a free will offering. 
but for a vow it shall not be accepted. Understand? Recall that in the, the sacrificial animals were to be perfect. That is, without blemish. But here, for a free will offering, it's as if God is saying, not in this case. You bring me anything you want. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to give me a gift, just bring it. Just bring it. I'll take it. Let's bring it. And what about in the New Covenant? What about us who are not under the law but under grace? What shall we bring unto our God? Well, let's try to reframe the question just a little. Think with me. Jesus Christ, our great high priest, a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, He has offered one sacrifice which has perfected forever those for whom it was intended. The apostolic doctrine is recorded for us in Hebrews 10. Listen, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 14. So listen, if we've reframed the question, then in an extended form, hear the question. In light of the fact, in light of the fact that Jesus has offered the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf, and the wrath of the Almighty toward us has been propitiated, and this sacrifice is so effectual that it has not only propitiated the wrath of God toward us, but it has reconciled us to God so that He calls us sons and daughters and takes delight in us in light of the overwhelming power of this sacrifice which was offered. And then the great high priest declared, it is finished in light of the comprehensive nature of such a sacrifice, what else could we sacrifice to God? What else could we possibly offer the Almighty? Is there any gift? Is there anything else on His wish list? Is there anything else that this person, this one who has everything, desires? Well, saints, I know you know the answer. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Turn to Romans chapter 12 and hear an apostolic appeal for sacrifice, for gift, 
And here, the great apostle Paul tell you and me what, what it is that we should offer, what gift we should bring, what we should sacrifice to the Almighty. It's right there in verse 1. And the great apostle says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, if you look back up to the last three verses of Romans 11, Paul has asked some questions. He said, he said, who's known the mind of the Lord? Or who's been his counselor? Who has given to him first? And it shall be recompensed unto him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. So it's like Paul saying, in light of who God is, who has known his mind? Who has given him advice? Who's given anything to him? Paul's saying, don't you see? Everything is his. Everything is his. And from him, for of him and through him and to him are all things. So you would think, listen, you would think then that Paul's teaching would be, it's quite obvious that you can't give anything to the Almighty. Because he's already got it all, right? It seems like that's what would follow, that that's what his teaching would be. You can't give anything to God. But listen, it's not. It's not at all. He goes right into verse 1 of chapter 12, and he says, Now in light of all that, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And this is most reasonable. He says, Romans, give a gift, a sacrifice to your God. And here's what he wants from you. He wants your life. Symbolized by your body. And then Paul encourages them that their offering of their own bodies, their own lives to God will be viewed by God as holy and acceptable. Holy? Wow. Acceptable? Wow. Just what I wanted. It was on my list. And finally, he appeals to their intellects and he says, this is really reasonable. It's the most rational thing that you could possibly do. It's your reasonable service. Give God what he wants. You. And brothers and sisters, listen, I know that if we got out our concordances and did a more extensive study, we could find other things that we could offer to the person who has everything. That's our God. But for this afternoon, let's just consider those. That's probably enough for today. God wants our thanksgiving in incredible condescension, the Bible teaches that He takes delight in the praises of His people. 
But those of you that have philosophical interests, you study de- deism sometimes and you think, yeah, I, that's kind of easy to believe. I can't believe all this just happened, but I have a really hard time believing God would be interested in me. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Kind of like your concern for a flea, and that's probably a overstatement. God takes delight in the praises of His people. That's amazing. That's amazing. God wants us to keep our vows. He wants us to do what we said we're going to do. He wants us to keep our covenant just like He does. That's what He's famous for. He's the covenant-keeping God. And He wants us to be like Him, godly. He wants us to call upon Him when we're in trouble. Listen, He wants to be our go-to guy. Not the last resort. When you have trouble, call me first. Call me. He wants us, you and me, our bodies, our minds, our beings. And the apostolic teaching is that if we offer ourselves to God, He finds such a gift such a sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And the apostolic teaching is it's the most appropriate gift that we could give our God. Now, there was a time when I bowed myself to my knees before my beloved And I looked up into her eyes and I said, will you marry me? And do you see what that question was really saying? I was saying, I want you for me. Do you understand that? I don't want anyone else to have you. I want you for me. I want you to be mine, like a treasure, like a possession. I want you off the market. I want you to be mine, alone. And think, think with me symbolically for a moment. Think semiologically. When she said yes, don't you see what she was doing? She was saying, I know what you want. You've seen the gifts around here. You've window shopped. But you've made your list. And my list said, Genie. My list. And when she said yes, she's saying, here's your gift. You can have me. I'm yours. Brothers and sisters, listen, I don't think I'm misreading Paul when I say that I believe that he's teaching that God has looked to us, to you 
into me and said, I want you. I want your life. Give yourself to me. Give yourself to me a living sacrifice. That's what I want from you. So when we say with Paul, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift, when we say that, we should also say back to our God, I have a present for you. I have a present for you. Take me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in endless praise. Take my intellect and use every power as Thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it Thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is Thine own, it shall be Thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at Thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for Thee. Beloved, listen, let's thank God for His unspeakable gift this Christmas. And let's give Him what He asks of us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, when we consider the love that You have for us, that You would send Your only begotten Son to save us, it staggers us. Oh, Father, what love, what wondrous love. Oh, Father, we want to give something to You but what can we give? Oh, Father, please accept our sacrifice. Please help us even now to rededicate ourselves, our lives, our beings, our everything to You. Bless Your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.